Morning, everybody. My name is Brandon, and I'm the executive pastor of Renaissance Church. Welcome to you all um, who are with us for the the thousandth time and first time, in person and online. Um, If you would, please open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, as we begin. It's Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And in the CSB, it reads, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created the male and female. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, every creature that crawls on the earth. This is God's word. I want to talk to you today about the image of God and some of its practical implications. Let me pray, though. Lord God, we love you, and we just praise you for who you are, Lord. We thank you that in your marvelous grace, you created this day for us to see, even though we don't deserve to. We thank you for your unconditional, incorruptible love, Lord God, that in Jesus you love us despite us, Would that truth grip our hearts in a new position this day, Lord? And having our hearts gripped by you, Lord God, would you undo the hurry in our hearts that we would slow down to the pace of Jesus and that the peace of Jesus would then rule in our hearts and Jesus ruling in our hearts leading us to to love you above every other thing, every other distraction, every other voice, and love people as we love ourselves. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You know, one of the things I love about Renaissance Church is when you look around at all the different people that are here from different blocks, different neighborhoods, with different social spheres and from different economic levels, um, it, it becomes very clear that something special brings us all together here today. Something very special. You know, it's not our, our coolness, even though we are cool. No. <laughs> it's not our coolness. It's not the way we're going to vote in November. It's Christ. It, it becomes very evident to me that being captivated by Jesus Christ is what unites us all here together today, and that makes my heart very, very glad. You know, some of us are from around here, some of us are not. Some of us think Sylvia's is better, some Melba's, you know what I mean? There is a correct answer, by the way, but um, but we're not here to judge, we're not here to judge. I didn't mean to leave out Amy Roots either, you know, for those of you. But some of us wear suits, some of us wear sweatpants, you know, and that's all okay. That's good. We're not judging each other for these things. But we are all 
together. And, and in this way, the image of God is made very real and tangible, not just as something we individually possess, but also as a collective reality, as something that is more clear and more evident and thus more real when we are together in hopes that when people look at Renaissance Church, they would see the image of God clearly, collectively, together, that they would, that they would see the image of the invisible God, that, that they would see God's glory, the glory of the Lord who is Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, the one for whom and by whom all things exist, the one through whom we live and breathe and have our whole being, the one who numbered the stars in the sky and the hairs on your head and then turned around and outlined the galaxies, that they would see that God. And, and that God is the God that said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. The image of that God, the glory of that God is on display in you. And to be the image of God, to be an image bearer of God, then means to be a glimpse of the glory of God. Succinctly put, to bear the image of God means to, to be a glimpse of the glory of God, you in and of yourself, and then together, as we come together, we give a, a more broad and more full picture of God in his beauty and in his majesty. And as we gather, we even teach others about what that means in heaven and on earth. I want you to turn to your neighbor say, neighbor. So you got to do it. I'm going to start over. Hold on, wait. Rewind. I want you to turn to your neighbor. Say, neighbor. neighbor. <laughs> Say, neighbor. neighbor. <laughs> you looking at God's glory. You got to say it like you mean it. Maybe you need to hear it from somebody else. Turn to your other neighbor. Turn to your other neighbor. Say, neighbor. I'm looking at God's glory. Amen. Amen. We bear the image of God, and that is unique to humans. Those of you sitting in this room, that is unique to humans. It, in this creation story in Genesis, as God made all the things, he only said that humans bear the image of God, nothing else. And then he specifically said they will rule, they'll rule over other things, standing in over the earth as representatives of this great God. You know, those who would have been hearing and reading this story when it was first told and written, would, it would have been very obvious to them from just hearing the phrase image of God, that the Bible was explaining something specially significant about humans being in the image of God because they used to believe that when something bared the image of something else, that that meant that that image had something of the essence of the original, meaning like if they had worshipped a goddess that they believed existed and they would make a statue or some other depiction of that thing, it wasn't just artsy. They literally believed it to hold something of the essence of that being they believed existed. 
And so they would be able to use it in different ways. That statue or what have you would be able to stand in place of that thing being bowed to and being paraded around. And so for the Bible to then say that humans bear the image of God, it would have been very clear, oh, the Bible is describing something different that other ideologies and philosophies don't explain about humans. It says we were made in God's image, something of his essence. We have a, we have a conscience and, 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 and we have a, 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 a heightened awareness and we have spiritual discernment. We bear his image. You know, it might lead you to glorify God thinking about how God made the mountains and these beautiful things and that God like thought to make whales and then he actually did that like that, that's wild and that, that might lead you to glorify God but whales don't bear the image of God you bear the image of the one true God and when I think about how every human every single human bears the image of this God that I worship every single day and how, at the very least, that means that every human deserves the dignity that the glory of God commands. I know I don't honor the image of God in other people all the time. Large in part because I suffer from this syndrome that is... It's very contagious, actually, especially in New York City right now. It's, it's called um, tough guy syndrome. And um, I specifically had the, the BA7 variant of tough guy. It's super <laughs> contagious. It is very, no, it's very contagious. You have to be careful. And um, this tough guy syndrome leads me, I'm not talking about in the past. I mean, like, this past week. You know what I mean? Like, you need to pray for me. Um, but, but what I've noticed is that when I feel disrespected in some way, you know, it makes the symptoms really get bad. Like, the symptoms come out, you know. And so um, what happens is, you know, so, like, for instance, my family and I, we live in a brownstone in Harlem. And living in a brownstone, one of the things I've realized is that the brownstone stoop, it wasn't just a stage on the set of Crooklyn. It's everybody's stage. You know what I mean? It's every, you, you 2 a.m. in the morning is... A perfect time to have an argument on my top step right outside when my six-month-old is asleep. It's the perfect time. Or if you want to do a fish fry, just come over to my stoop. You know what I mean? It's yours. It's your stage. A photo shoot, bring, it all, bring all the equipment. Just set up. No one needs to go up or down. You just come and do, do your thing. Have your place. Any substance, now let me stop, I should stop there. But <laughs> the stoop is everybody's stage, and this at certain times drives me insane. I was reading on, the, on my, our, our couch with my oldest, my son Titus, and um, he is learning to read, doing a great job, very proud of him, and he's always very focused when he's reading, and it was late, right before bedtime, and somebody just came outside of our window, like three feet outside of our window, and just started screaming all sorts of obscenities at the top of their lungs. And I had already had a tough week, right? This was like four nights ago. And I was like, you know what? I'm not having it tonight. 
and I open the window, and I just, I scream some things I shouldn't have screamed, you know? <laughs> and um, he, didn't, uh, he didn't respond to that, that uh, very, very nicely. And, um, you know, the, the altercation, it just went to a place that, let's say, I, it shouldn't have. And I won't give specifics. I'm not ready, okay? I'm, I, need to work, I need to work through it but, um, with my therapist. <clears throat> but anyway, what I noticed, though, is that just when I feel disrespected, and, and I think this comes from different places, you know, like there's just something deep in me that even though I know I bear the image of God, I try to, I have this, this other image that I think I bear, this tough guy image that I think I need to bear sometimes. And that can come from my childhood. I think me and my friends, we just literally thought it was fun or funny to fight each other. I don't know why. Boys do these things. I'm noticing that in my son again. Um, and then also, I just feel like growing up for me, like my group, like we just, you know, we were kind of like, you know, like you don't want to come to our park talking crazy. You know what I mean? Like that's not going to, that's not going to go well. I don't know who you think you're talking to right now type of. And so I feel like that's still in me. I bear that image when I get disrespected rather than the image of God. And, and I will talk crazy. I literally be ready to fight. Yeah. Like that's, that's not good um, to, to say the least. And uh, James 3.9 says, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in God's likeness. I repent. I repent. See, I know that's true, but I value being respected too much. And respect is a great thing, but I have put it in a place in my heart and in my life that it doesn't belong it's a good thing, but it's not a good God. And when respect is the foundation from which you relate to all people, it will lead you to dismiss and disregard and even disrespect the image of God and other people. And if you're like me, you need to be very careful not to let moments where you feel disrespected enable you to justify disregarding the image of God in others. And if you're not like me, maybe, maybe it's something like comfort that you elevate. Maybe comfort is king in your life. And, and, and comfort, again, it's a great thing, but it's a terrible God. And if comfort is the foundation from which you relate to other people, well, <laughs> you will find yourself only surrounded by people who act, think, look exactly like you. Because maybe, maybe it might lead you to, to, to operate from a sense of, you know, it's just, it's more comfortable to be around these people than those people. Because those people don't, they don't get my Crooklyn movie references, right? <laughs> and that's just, that's just a, a, a tension I'd rather not have to deal with today. You know what I mean? And so we just disregard how God made them, and, and I'm just going to operate from our relationships on the basis of comfort. You know, what's going to be the most easy for me? Or maybe insecurity. Maybe, maybe insecurity has you attempting to prove yourself to be somebody that you're just not and trampling on other people to do so. Like, you know you didn't grow up like that. Like, no, you don't have to pretend. But insecurity will have us in these places again. And when we operate from these things, it might start off like a slight disregard, but it moves quickly to cursing people who are made in God's likeness. 
And valuing things like respect and, and comfort and appearance too much. Put in a place that they shouldn't be will lead you to talk crazy to and about people in ways that tears down the dignity of God. They are due as image bearers of God. And I always wonder, why do we do these things? Why do we do that? In short, it's at least because we want to rule. Genesis 1.26 again said, let us make man in our image, God said. They will rule. They'll rule the fish of the sea, you know, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and, and creatures that crawl on the earth. The only thing God didn't name was other humans. That was the only thing he didn't name. But Adam and Eve, you know, when they were in the garden and they were convinced to sin the first sin, what did the serpent say to them? I know God made you in his likeness. Eat this. He don't want you to do that because he knows when you do it, you'll be like God, not just in his likeness. You will be a God. And they said that the likeness of God wasn't enough. They wanted to be like God. And we do the same thing when we dishonor the image of God and other people. We say, yo, your likeness is not enough. I want these people to be in my image, not yours. I want to be like you. I want them to act how I want them to act. And if I elevate respect and comfort and appearance enough in my life, I can be a God. His likeness isn't enough. And when we believe that, when you believe that, you have found the gateway to justifying all sorts of wrongdoing. You have found the gateway to all sorts of injustice. When you stop seeing the image of God in people, you will justify all wrong thinking, wrong talking, and wrong doing against other people. Gomez Inez de Azurara was the scribe of colonialism. And he went on many voyages and conquests with Prince Henry of Portugal. Um, both were Christian men. And from that conquest, they made tithes to a church in Portugal that were human bodies. But trying to make sense of this, Zurara, the, the, the scribe, he was trying to make sense of what he was witnessing, this grotesque treatment of human life. And how it could make sense with what he knows about the image of God in our bodies, in our being. Because it seared his conscience. And he prayed this prayer. He said, O thou heavenly father, who with thy powerful hand with alteration of thy divine essence, governest all the infinite company of the holy city. He's just praising God right now. 
and controllest all the revolutions of higher worlds, divided into nine spheres, making the duration of ages long and short according as it pleaseth thee. And here goes his actual petition and what I believe is the most important line of this written prayer. He says, I pray thee that my tears may not wrong my conscience. For it is not their religion, but their humanity that maketh mine to weep in pity for their sufferings. And if the brute animals with their bestial feelings by a natural instinct understand the suffering of their own kind, what wouldest thou have my human nature to do on seeing before my eyes that miserable company and remembering that they too are of the generation of the sons of Adam. Let me be clear. He prayed that he would not see their humanity because he couldn't grapple with the fact, because looking at their humanity and seeing the image of God in their bodies, in African bodies, And then seeing how the image of God was torn down in them made him weep. And so he separated their souls from their bodies in order to make sense of what he saw. Because the goal was to rule, however wrongly. Ignoring the image of God in other people might begin with elevating comfort and respect and appearance, but it won't end there. And the fact that we see God come in human form in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is literally God with us, God who physically came in a human body to live and walk among us and live a perfect life and die on a cross. And at the very least, that shows us that the body has extreme and even eternal significance in the eyes of God. As we bear the image of God, we cannot separate our souls from our bodies. They both are important. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says this. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know what it's like to be God? (laughs) The Bible says, here you go. Because in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, and thus every human after them, had this natural 
a propensity to want to be like God, not just in the likeness of God, but Jesus, the one who was due all respect and all honor and all veneration forever suffered a humiliating death on a cross so that all who place their faith in him can have life everlasting, bearing the image of God forever in glory. Jesus, the one who is due all the comforts that the galaxies have to offer, decided to endure the most discomfort any human ever experienced. And now he is exalted. He has the throne of heaven. In Jesus, we see the image of God is a calling. The image of God was not something that Jesus just wanted to contain and and shake over other people's heads. He did not see the image of God as something to be exploited. He saw the humility of God as something to be displayed. The image of God as a calling. You know, as humans, the image of God is something we each individually contain. Even you can think of the most annoying person you know. Even that person made in the image of God. (laughs) But it is also something we are called to together. Genesis 1, 27 and 28 say, So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. You see, God put his image in humans, and then he immediately called and commissioned us to do something with it. Verse 28, immediately called us to do something with it. And we see the image of God in other people. We're we're called to both show the image of God in ourselves, put it on display, and we're also called to perpetually see the image of God in other people. We see it in other people by humility, and then we see it through in humility. You know, my oldest daughter is now four years old. She just turned four a few weeks ago. And she's adorable. I love her so much. Um, And I showed her a photo of, without context, we were playing in the hallway in our apartment. And I showed her a photo of my mother around the same age, so her grandmother around the same age that she is right now. And I didn't give any context. I just pulled my phone out and showed her this photo and didn't say anything. And she just looked at it. 10 seconds went by, 20 seconds, and someone who's very talkative had very little to say, and the first thing she could get out was just a question. She said, is that me? (laughs) And then we sang, show me your face. She did. She's very deep, but she didn't begin singing that song. And um, what happened there was that I'd like to believe that my daughter, Sarai, was, was looking at this picture and she realized, she saw her grandma at a different age and she was like, that kind of looks like me, but the hair, I've never had my hair done like that. I definitely don't own that shirt from the 60s. 
And the picture quality, it's also just different than, than what, my, what I'm used to seeing on my dad's phone. And so I'm just a little confused. But the only thing she could get out was, is that me? And I, when we treat the image of God like a calling, what is happening is we see the image of God and we hear how the image of God Our great God is in us and in other people. And and when we see that, it should become clear that that we are called to be like the one whose image we have. I I think in that moment, Sarai realized, like, I belong to to something. I I look like grandma. I bear her image. I I belong to this family in in, in a different way, not just as as, as this individual person, but I belong to this collective reality that displays something. And you too, when you hear that you bear the image of God, you, you belong to something. You are called to something to display the, the graciousness and, and the goodness and, and the love and the patience of God himself and put on display maybe with your neighbors maybe tomorrow when you walk out of your home out of your apartment you won't scurry past your neighbors especially the ones who are addicted maybe you have an addicted screamer on your block and But maybe you would stop tomorrow and look that person in their eyes and ask them their name and how they're doing. Because I think at the very least, delivering the dignity that is due that image bearer of God, it it, it changes things. It opens eyes. It, it, it creates a wonder about God, about the image of God in them and the image of God in you that you would treat them differently than other people do. There's something different, and that opens all sorts of doors. Our DNA groups are starting up today. What does it look like to put humility over appearance and over comfort and over respect even with your DNA group members who you think you're cooler than or smarter than. And seeing them as people in need of Jesus just like you, trying to walk with Jesus just like you are. Or maybe you're not in DNAs. Maybe you've been around for a while, you're taking a break this, this term, you know. And maybe you would stop to see the image of God in new people at Renaissance Church. Maybe you've been seeing somebody, you know they're new, and you just haven't talked to them. Maybe you're sitting next to them right now. You don't know their name. Or maybe you've seen them for two years, you don't know their name, you're sitting next to them. But maybe today would be the day that you turn and ask that person their name and learn something about their story. Maybe invite them to something. Because in that, We experience the dignity that the glory of God commands for image bearers. Or maybe even at work, 
going to work and seeing your coworkers, even the ones who do some shady stuff sometimes, <laughs> as being used by God to be glorified through the work you all do together. Because when we do these things, when we both show, when we both are committed to the image of God as a calling, as something we both show and something we both see, I firmly believe that this is something that we're displaying, something of the essence of what the seraphim saw in Isaiah 6 when they looked at the earth and they saw the glory of God and they couldn't help but cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies, the whole earth is full of his glory. I'm going to pray. God, we love you. And we praise you for who you are, Lord. We thank you for your unconditional, incorruptible love. I can be corrupted by no sin. There is no sin greater or stronger than you, Lord God. And that is what we celebrate this day in singing and in reading your word and in baptisms. Lord God, in our different moments and in our daily dealings, would we expect the dishonor and the discomfort and the misunderstanding that our sin has earned to come our way from our circumstances and from the very mouths of scoffers who are hurting and enslaved, Lord God, and would you free them and would you heal them? Yet would we only join Jesus, believing the humility of Jesus, not the pride of men and women, the humility and peace of Jesus, not the, the comfort we can create in our circumstances, but the humility and peace of Jesus, not our own appearance, but the humility and peace of Jesus will be honored forever. And trusting that that will be honored forever. Would we love you above everything and see your image in others? Amen.